Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Orange Power Half Hour. I am here with my dad, as always, Shane Smithton. My name is Shelby Myers. And in a shocking turn of events, the Oklahoma State Cowboys are tied for third in the Big 12. I don't, Pops, I don't know how we got here. I don't think anybody predicted that two weeks ago. Uh, right? It looked like their team was dead on arrival. Um, didn't look like they had any talent, any momentum, any <laughs> any good plays, any good anything. And uh, I, we'll we'll have a couple opportunities uh, throughout this show, I'm sure, to to go backward in time and throw a little criticism to the to the coaching staff. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with a really positive note and say. It's a great job by the coaches to to keep from losing this locker room because I really thought, to, For sure. you know, after that second loss, you could just kind of start to see the wheels come off the bus. And yep, I was concerned about guys maybe opting out the rest of the year, trying to preserve their their eligibility because some you know they hadn't played in four games at that point or more than four games at that point. Right. But, uh, kudos to to Coach Nick Gundy and the coaching staff. They got these kids. Uh, to buy back in and they got them reinvested and and now they've strung a couple of, of really good not just conference wins but good conference wins together yeah for sure um the pokes end up taking over KU 32-39 is our final um and you're right dad against against a really good ball club um KU is extremely well coached I know we talked about that last week um and apparently we are too now I I I would like to make the another positive point to your positive point I am very um pleased with the progress that our coaching staff has made I feel like we've um or have hopefully turned a turned a corner um in the rest of the season and I'm excited for for West Virginia. Yeah, I am too. And I, I you know, I think um I think it's not anything really that that coach Gundy didn't say himself. Uh, he indicated in the post game um he admitted that they had not done a good job coaching uh, earlier in the season and specifically said uh, that they did a terrible job against South Alabama and that they didn't put the kids in a position to win. Now he didn't get into specifics, so I don't know if if he's specifically acknowledging the fact that the that the three headed quarterback was a bad idea mm-hmm. or the three headed running back was a bad idea. But whatever, uh, the you know he did acknowledge that that they did some things poorly, that they needed to do things better. He said they that they went in and apologized to the team and asked them to give them another chance. And uh, it, it sounds like the the team did just that and. And the, the coaches have rewarded them with uh, with better decisions and better game plans. And uh, and we've all had a whole lot more fun the last two weeks. A ton more fun. And I think, yeah, just little things like that. I mean, Gundy even said in his press conference that he, we're tackling way more in practice than we ever have um, in his career here at OSU as a coach. Um, because our tackling was so bad in the first couple of weeks. So And, and it drastically improved at the KU game. Um so obviously just little things like that, it's making a difference. Um, and I, I know I said on the show a couple of weeks ago that I was, I was nervous that we weren't, um, that we were just going to lay over and we were going to be scared to do anything, um, new or, or to try to fix all, all some of our issues. And I, I think we've been better in every area that I complained about a couple of weeks ago. So I'm excited about that progress for sure. Um, I don't think we can talk much about the KU game further, Dad, without talking about, well, a couple of things. But I think we have to talk, start with Ollie, right? 
Oh, Ollie Gordon, absolutely. I have to start there. Ollie becomes the first player since 1989 to rush for over 100 yards and have over 100 yards receiving. That's 1989, Shelby. You were born in 1996. I know. That is insane. You were not around for this. And, what and a freak. Let me let me throw out a couple of other names of some guys that have played tailback at Oklahoma State since that's been done. That that was done back in 1989. So long ago, Shelb, that the quarterback was the head coach. That's that's Mike Gundy oh, is the my quarterback gosh. in that game. What a stat. And, uh, Gerald Hudson is the player, of course, that did it in 1989 that, that uh, Gundy would have been throwing the ball to for the 100 yards. But since then, we've had running backs like Jalen Warren, Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, Kendall, Kendall Hunter, Tatum Bell, uh, a bunch of really, really good football players. None of those guys were able to accomplish that. And, in fact, I saw a statistic somewhere in the last couple of days that, that Ollie Gordon's the first running back to do this in uh, among power five teams in the last seven years in all of college football. So it's, it's an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable feat, um, a career high, 168 yards rushing 284 total yards, 284. This team had 208 yards, a total offense against South Alabama. Ollie Gordon s- surpassed that easily by himself. And another, and another thing that I think Coach Gunny said a couple weeks ago is we got to find a way to get Ollie the ball, right? And uh, yeah, I would say well, so. That is a good, I, a good I, way to win a football game. I would say so, and and that gets back into some of the, the I guess the more negative things that that you can talk about when you when you look backwards at what's happened in the early part of the season. I mean, let's let's touch on the the subject of touches. Ollie Gordon against Central Arkansas touched the ball nine times in a Gross. in an unimpressive win against Arizona State. He touched it eleven times in an even more narrow win against South Alabama. He had five count them five total touches. Of course, of now, course, we lost. At some point, somebody figures it out, right? So Iowa State he comes back with twenty two cut touches, one hundred and twenty four yards rushing in a narrow loss. Uh, gets 22 touches again against Kansas State for 140 yards rushing and a and a big maybe season saving win and then against uh, the Jayhawks the other day 36 total touch- touches um, the statistics on Ollie if you look I mean Ollie equals success uh, you know he's mm-hmm. the kid has rushed for if you go back to last season he's rushed for at least 120 yards in every single game that he's touched the ball at least 15 times. Get Ollie the ball. Yeah, I think too. It's not, I mean, I know we've I've already said this um this evening, but I want to go and touch. We weren't we weren't playing, you know, some peewee rinky dink team either. There's a reason that um these stats are not they're they're impressive too with you the opponent you're playing. I mean, we weren't playing um some some lame-o defense. I mean, he had he, he's that good, is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, um, forget about the Kansas Jayhawks of the past. You you did right. this against the number. 23 or 24 ranked team in the country. That's who you did it against. Right. And I also wanted to say a little, maybe we need to have a moment of silence to the football gods. I'm not really sure, but um, for the first time in 358, the Pokes score 30 points and man, did it feel good. 
Yeah, I think if uh, if everybody they should have passed out those little things that you get the Fourth of July that shoot the confetti out, <laughs> and everybody could pop that when they hit forty. Three hundred fifty eight long days since the Pokes scored thirty thirty, and and in the eleven games in between those two games, so in between Texas last year and Kansas on Saturday, the Cowboy football team averaged eighteen point four points a game during that eleven game stretch. That's not going to beat very many people in Power 5 football. It's not going to beat anybody in the Big 12. Right, absolutely not. Um, And, you know, Dad, we have to talk about the O-line. I know we had some switcheroos in there during the game. How do you think that they – how do you think their performance was? I know we we said that that they've gotten better as the season's got on. I would agree as in this game as well. Well, I, we talked a little bit last week about how Dalton Cooper moving out to the left tackle position has has really solidified things, and, and then uh, you know that allows you to move some other guys uh, around. And um, you know when Dalton was in there, now he didn't play very many snaps, but the the snaps he did play, the Cowboy offense really looked fantastic, uh, even after he went went out with injury. And I, I did see a report today that they expect him to be back, so that's really good news. Um, but, um, you know, even, even when they had to move Cole Birmingham back out to right tackle and, and, uh, and then bounced right tackle over to left, they still played a lot better than they have in the past. And I, I think some of that's probably scheme driven. I think some of it's, um, a, a couple of personnel tweaks, like we, like we pointed out, but I think a lot of it's continuity too. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's getting, it's getting used to working together. It's, it's yeah. Ollie Gordon getting used to, to running behind the, these guys and, and kind of figuring out now, you know, how, how are they going to block? Where's this right. guy likely to go? You know, when he's got a guy in this position, you know, do I need to cut inside him? Do I need to cut outside him? Uh, again, I just, I think there's, I think there's a reason. Um, there's a reason that, that teams don't just rotate personnel, at, particularly at the skill positions, you know, on a, on a play by play or drive by drive basis. And, and I think we're seeing the fruits of some of that continuity now. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think that's um, extremely extremely obvious, right? Um, you can tell in watching the last couple of games. Um, obviously, all of these the dude you gotta you gotta get in the touches and things like that. I know you talked about this at the game, and so I just want to make your I want to make your point for you. I I would really like us to find a way to maybe get. Uh, to run Nixon out um, and play a little receiver because I think he's a really good talent too that we could um, utilize a little bit more. Obviously, I don't want to take anything away from from Ollie. I want him in the in the backfield, but I do think Nixon's quite the dude as well. Well, I think I think Nixon's extremely talented, and I think there's I think there's room for some additional touches for him at the receiver position. We've seen him play a little bit of receiver. You know, he had the big go ball against Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, you know, now that uh, Deshaun Stribling's out, Nixon's probably one of your better uh, potential home run hitters at the receiver position. And and again, even at running back, you know, he didn't get as many running back touches the other day, but when he did, he was pretty electric with them. He almost yes. ran out of a, a couple of tackles and, and got that one ball down to uh, – to the three yard line where and, we can't um, score. Yeah. Where, where your husband immediately said, <laughs> we can't score from there. Uh, I, I hate it. I hate it when he's right. And he was certainly right there, but you're um, telling me, but I think you're, I think you're right on the money. I think Nixon's got to get a little bit more involved. And though I love Ollie getting the touches he's touch that he's getting now, 36 is maybe 
even for Ollie, that might be a, a tick too many. I mean, you might you might take three or four of those away and and give those to uh, to Nixon moving forward. But I, I thought he was very capable. And and again, we we mm-hmm. mentioned this guy last week. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention him again before we talk about one of the more obvious choices. But Rashad Owens, man, that guy yes. is solid. Nine catches for 112 yards. Yep. I mean, we said it last week. All he does is do his job, go out and catch the football. Yep. I think when you touched on Stribling being out, I think that's, uh, you know, we talked about maybe getting Nixon some of those touches that would have gone to Stribling, but Rashad Owens, man, would be, he'd be one of my first guys that I'm calling on if I'm done to catch a football. I mean, I I think he's extremely um, clutch and we don't have, well, we have some receivers that can catch the ball if the ball gets thrown in their vicinity, but I think Rashad is maybe um, top two probably in, and if you'll get it close to me, I'll go, I'll go find a way to make a play on it. Um, So yeah, very impressed with him as well. I'm not sure he's quite as athletic, doesn't maybe have the the leaping ability and the ability to high point the ball quite like this guy, but he, in terms of being a big, uh, a big bodied receiver that can use his body to wall people off and is, is really strong with his body as well as his hands. He kind of reminds me of Marcel Aitman a little bit oh, yeah, in yeah. that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, we can't talk about receivers without talking about um, Brennan Presley. Um, obviously, you know, he's <laughs> obviously he's pretty good. He's pretty good. And he's, he's very, very uh, talented, very, uh, very diverse in his skill set. You know, he catches mm-hmm. the ball. He's able to do things, uh, you know, running the football, the jet sweep. We finally found a way to to punch it in inside the the 10-yard the line, and that was with him running the jet sweep, which he ran successfully a couple of times as a freshman in the Cheez-It Bowl. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's so good in the return game. And now you're seeing, you're seeing us do a lot of things with him like the Dolphins do with Tyreek Hill and, and like the Chiefs yes. used to do with Tyreek. We're moving him around, running him Super in, fun. in motion. Uh, you know, the 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 check down back to him on the flea flicker. He's the guy that actually starts the flea flicker. He had motioned over and gotten back into the tailback position in the diamond formation. Bowman hands it off to him. He chunks it back to Bowman. And then, and what a heady job by, by you know, both Bowman and Presley to, to see the deep ball was covered, check it down to him. Mm-hmm. If you look at the... On the replay, if you watch the overhead view of that, you know, Brendan Presley has the ball out there at the 20-yard line with about three guys that ought to, ought to be able to tackle him, and nobody touches it. Right. I mean, the guy's just special in space. Yeah, he really is. And, man, it's fun, it's fun to watch. I think I've touched on this already, but it's fun to watch him uh, run around everywhere. It feels like he's all over the field. And I think um, that that's challenging, right, for a defense to try to try to hone in on, you know, somebody that athletic um, who's who's making it worse for you by moving around all the time. And it's it's fun offense to watch. Um, and there's been a lot of offense this year that hasn't been fun to watch. So I've I've enjoyed that. Um, I also think we got to touch on Bowman. Um, I want to hear what you think about his performance. I thought he's pretty solid. Um, I think he will typically be pretty solid. I don't think he's going to do anything quite flashy or anything like that, but he's He's not going to do a lot of things wrong, which I can appreciate. I think he's doing an excellent job of, of managing the football games. You know, that's that's important. He's going to take what's there. He does a great job of, of not taking sacks. He's not the most uh, fleet of foot guy. Um, there, there's no question about heavy, that. But he, but he understands that. 
and he knows, um, you know, I've got a certain amount of time to make a play and then I've got to get outside the pocket and, and throw it away and live to fight another day. And more often than not, you know, he's, he's able to come back with a second and 10 or, or, or mm-hmm. third and five and go ahead and move the chains because he hasn't forced the issue and done something stupid. Now he did try to sneak a couple of balls in, uh, probably got away with what could have maybe been a pick six down on, on the goal line going in and, and had one other one over the middle that was kind of an ill-advised throw. I, I think our receiver there probably needs to come back to the football mm-hmm. and help us out. But, sure. but outside of a couple of throws, you know, he, he threw for 336 yards. That was his best day uh, throwing the football since 2020 when he threw for 384 yards against Oklahoma State. Yes. <laughs> kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, his completion percentage was excellent, 68%. I mean, that was the thing I think that probably as much as anything that I was really wanting to see him improve on because I, I know he's a better quarterback than what his completion percentage had indicated to this point. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that had had to do with some drops. You know, he had had, he'd been a victim of some some pretty stone-cold drops, and and we didn't have a bunch of those on, on Saturday, and uh, consequently his uh, completion percentage, you know, bumped up there to nearly 70%, and you'll take that uh, – every day of the week and and by not turning the ball over you know OSU wins the, the turnover battle again and again as as uh razor thin as the margin is going to be between victory and defeat for this team winning the turnover battle is critical you know we touched on that a lot on Saturday I think before the game you know when we were trying to make predictions and figure out how the game was going to was going to come out. That's one thing that you and I both said was we have to win the turnover battle, right? Or we don't have a chance. And I would say that that's true for the, for uh-huh. all of the games going forward. I don't think that we are, we are not good enough to play ugly. Um, We have to play very clean games. And that's one reason that I do like Bowman behind, um, behind the center. Cause I think he's, uh, experienced enough that he's not going to do a lot of things wrong. I think if I was getting really critical for him, um, and I think coach Gundy said this in the post game as well. Um, he maybe he maybe flushes a little too early out of the pocket every now and then he's maybe a little too safe every now and then, but man, you take, you take probably too safe over a pick six. Well, I, I agree. And that, and that's a good point that you bring up. That's been really my only criticism of him too. Um, is he does have a tendency to to flush the pocket a little early on occasion, and typically he goes to his right and backwards. Mm-hmm. And you know he doesn't possess Brandon Whedon's arm, so usually when he gets out there, all you're all you're hoping for, your best hope is for a, a throwaway and an incompletion and a reload. Uh, but uh, you know, Coach Gundy did point that out specifically, so the coaching staffs obviously noticed it. Uh, hopefully, they're going to work on him with that and. Um, you know, I, I think in fairness to him, he he got accustomed to running for his life pretty good the first, you know, three, four ball games of the year. So um, sure. now we are doing a better job protecting him and, and he needs to to recognize that and, and maybe sit in there a little tighter. But definitely still proud of his performance. I thought that he was um, no doubt. very strong in his performance. And, you know, Dad, we've we've mentioned pretty much every offensive player we got um, that, and that they played pretty solid. Um, so I think offensively that that's looking pretty good play calling offensively. I, man, I don't know. I'm not for sure who's calling it, but Dunn Gundy or whoever it is off the piece of paper that scripted looked pretty good. That was pretty fun. The first couple series. 
we've we've seen we've seen some scripted series from coach dunn you know uh, while he's been oc that have been really good and then a lot of times it seems like some of that creativity goes away as the game wears on and 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 i even thought in the big win against kansas state we were far far superior the first couple of drives and then got pretty vanilla mm-hmm. uh, as the game wore out i thought i thought we did a much better job and i thought start to finish this might have been Casey Dunn's best game calling plays. Um, and, and I really, I really was tickled to see when we got down there in the red zone uh, on that last touchdown drive that we didn't just bunch up and, and, and hammer the football away. You know, we got in a little bit of a spread formation and, and ran that jet sweep uh, and got into the end zone. I hope we'll see more uh, spread formations, you know, in the red zone moving forward because. I think this team needs space to score. I just don't think we yeah. have the the horses to line up in a phone booth and, and power people uh, off the ball, particularly when you're going to get an extra guy in the box. Well, and I think we've proven that, right? <laughs> I think yeah. that I think that's been a pretty obvious telltale that that's maybe not our best game plan. Um, but overall, offensively, I was really happy with the performance from everybody. Um, and obviously, we scored more points than them. That's that's how you win a ball game. Um, moving to the other side of the ball for a second, Dad, I know you and I were both concerned. We talked about this last week about Kansas's run game, um, and it ended up not being a huge issue, which um, I think is surprising. But I want to touch on. I want to touch on a couple of things. We got to touch on the tight end, TD, both tight end TDs. We got to touch on Beam having a heck of a passing game. But we also got to touch on the fact that because of that, you, I mean, you can't you can't stop at all, right? So I think because we limit the run game, he ends up having a pretty good day um, in passing yards. What do you think? Tell me your thoughts. Well, I, I've got a movie reference uh, for you here. And you're, oh, goody. I, Apparently your youth is going to be part of the theme today because you weren't, you know, you, you're not old enough to remember the last time we had a hundred yard uh, rusher and receiver in the same game. You're also probably too young to, to know the Clint Eastwood movie, the good, the bad and the ugly. But that was, that was exactly what I thought we got from the OSU defense Saturday was the good, the bad, the ugly. The good was, as you said, Kay, you coming into the game averaging 232.2 yards uh, rushing a game. They got 90 Saturday, so yeah. uh, an excellent job by by Coach Nardo and, and the sure. defensive players in shutting down the run game. Now, it did come at the expense of, of the bad. Jason Bean throwing for 410 yards. Mm-hmm. KU had over 500 yards of total offense, and uh, and they were 7 of 13 on third down, which is, is mm. you know, that's way too many way too third many. down versions for sure. And then the ugly, right? This this was just horrible. But KU had five touchdown passes of over thirty yards. Four of those were over forty yards. Now that's mm. you know that's face that made for radio ugly is what that is. Forty seven yep. yard or thirty yard or forty four yard or forty nine yard or forty two yarder. Um, and, and you mentioned a couple of those on plays where the tight end just runs free. And Ugh. you know I. I've gone back and, and watched the game and, you know, it's, uh, it, it's pretty basic, but you know, you got the offensive team's got to have seven guys on the line of scrimmage and, you know, the outside player on each side of the, of the center on the line of scrimmage is eligible period end of story. That's the way it is. And, 
it doesn't matter where they line up. And, and KU did line up on that first touchdown pass. They lined their tight up end in what would typically be the tackle position. But still, he's uncovered. No one, mm-hmm. no one outside him on the line of scrimmage. So he's, he's eligible, and we've got to pick him up. And it looked like to me instead, um, you know, Kansas had two um, players fit, split wide on the left-hand side of the field, the far side of the field, and, and we're guarding both of those guys, one of which would be ineligible. Now, he can go backwards, so you can't, you know, you can't just totally ignore him. But, uh, yeah, I had some alignment issues. And then probably the more disappointing thing was the second long tight end play. Yep. He lined up in the wingback position. And yeah. clearly, you're lined up, you know, off the ball in the backfield, you're, you're eligible. So, you know, I, I don't know really what specifically caused those alignment issues, if it's something Kansas just hadn't shown. Uh, obviously, you know, we didn't adjust to it, to it at all, um, because they burned us on it a couple of times. And then I, I thought the, uh, I thought a couple of the other long ones, Shelb, I just, I, I was probably pretty critical of, of Rucker initially on a couple of those thinking he didn't do a good job in coverage and he does need to be better. But it, you know, after watching the game again on a couple of those, we didn't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. The, right. the pocket was pretty clean, and and there was a, it's a five long or six time play. to a long be covering time somebody. To cover yep. somebody for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that yeah, the, some some good and bad on the on the defensive side. The the good again, I guess, if you want to round it back off with a positive, is is Kansas' last five possessions. You know, interception, interception, uh, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, and then um, you know, time runs out. Yeah, I thought I thought maybe um, as our offense got a little bit more vanilla as the game went on, I thought our defense did a a better job of of coming up with some really big plays that we needed. Um, and so I think that we've said continuity a lot, but just I think our you know our offense and defense have have kind of made up for each other in the last two games when we've needed them to. Um, so that's that's huge. I think jumping out early on in fourteen nothing helps if you're going to get a little vanilla later down the game. Um, and then you can ask your defense to, to step up a little bit and, and tighten up a little bit more after those couple of those long TD passes. And I know there was a lot, there, there's a lot of talk about that, um, ineligible receiver. And I think the way Kansas does it is a little sneaky. At least that first one looked a little sneaky to me. Um, but at the end of the day, that's right now, that's the rule that it is. So we gotta, we gotta cover up, um, on them and obviously if you, you can't let it happen one time you really can't let it happen happen twice for sure um and then i agree with you i think on every on all the other kind of big balls i think it's just you got to get more pressure on the queue um because it's that that playing safety and corner that's hard to do and it's hard to do for a long time so i think you can only be so critical of those guys as well yeah, you you can't really ask a defensive back to to cover uh, not in man coverage for more than about you know four and a half five seconds. I think you get outside of that, and uh, you know somebody's somebody's going to be running free. And if you've allowed the quarterback to sit in the pocket, if your defensive front has allowed that, he's probably going to find the guy. And and that certainly happened a couple times. So, and I I, I didn't go back to see in those situations if um, you know if we were in a three man front or a four man front. I did think we jumped in the four man front again mm-hmm. um, uh, more often th- than what we had yeah. in a couple of losses, which I like to see because I just think, um, you know, I think Colin Oliver is a fantastic, uh, phenomenal football player. But I think when you put him out on the edge and tell him to go, 
you know, go, uh, go kill the quarterback. He's particularly good at that. I totally agree. And Hey, even having him out there, even if you don't send him, that's terrifying. I don't want, I don't want to be on the other side of Colin Oliver coming off the edge. No, thank you. Um, I think he also had a really good game. I'm glad you mentioned his name. Um, I think he is a name that I've kind of been waiting to, to really come up very often. And I think he played a really good job. Um, Again, just circling back to your point, I think our our guys are are kind of finding their groove and and getting a getting a flow for things. Um, because I think he's one of them that that had played very well for us on Saturday and looks better than he did maybe in the um earlier games this season. Yeah, his stat line was pretty impressive. He had seven tackles, two and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and two pass breakups. And those those pass breakups, those aren't his first pass breakups of the season either. And that. I think that just shows you how how smart a football player uh, you know he has become. He's not just a, a pin your ears back guy uh, that that can only go rush the quarterback. He he understands what's going on in the game of football. And a couple of times, you know, in the game the other day, he understands. Hey, I'm not going to get home. I'm not going to get to the quarterback. So I'm going to set back. I'm going to time this up and and get my paw up and knock one down and. Uh, you know, he had a critical uh, bat down on on the on a fourth down play when Kansas is trying to drive right. and and still you know go go score and tie up the game. And I, I was going to ask you if you had a, I did not remember this thinking back on the game until I watched it again. But do you realize that Kansas did not score in the second half uh, after the 11, 11 minutes remaining in the third quarter? No way. I, it did not seem like that to me watching the game. And I think one of the reasons it didn't is Kansas had two pretty substantial drives. You know, the one drive, I mean, they're throwing the ball into the end zone when Kendall Daniels makes his pick. Oh, that's so, right. Yep. Yep. And they had started that drive, I think, fairly far back in their own territory. So, you know, they had they had chewed up some yardage but didn't get on the board. Wow. And then, of course, you know, they had the the two interceptions in the second half and, and the two turnover on downs where they went for it on fourth down. I just in my and I guess part of the reason I didn't think about it was, you know, it took the Cowboys a while to get there because for sure we had some promising drives. That, uh, once again, uh, we had to settle for field goals on, which is, is still something that, that needs to be shored up. Sure. But yeah, they did not score again in, 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 in the last 11 minutes of the third quarter or any uh, of the fourth. Wow. I did not, I did not realize that at all. That's, um, scary <laughs> or it's, I guess it's a, it's a good thing, but, um, it did, it felt, it felt worse than that for sure. It felt like they were on our heels at that point in the game. Um, but dad, now I know we've been a little hot and cold on this, um, podcast the last, the, this whole season and, and rightfully so, because it's been, it's been pretty good or pretty bad. Not very well, much we played pretty hot or cold. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but we got, you got West Virginia Saturday, then you got Cincinnati for homecoming. Then you got the people from, you know, down there coming. Yeah. Um, and then you got UCF and then you got Houston and then you got BYU. And I don't want to be too positive. Right. But there could be some several wins in there. And I, and you know, there's, there's obviously we're talking, bowl games, which I will be honest, I did not think that we were going to be talking about a couple weeks ago. We're talking about getting bowl eligible. I think there's a lot of good wins 
there if we can continue to take care of business and continue to get better week to week. Um, and I'm obviously excited. What are what are your thoughts for the rest of the season? Well, I, I you know, again, I think they've done a great job turning this thing around. Um, you know, I think they now have a chance as you look forward at the schedule. I think they have a chance to finish where a lot of us were predicting them to be when the season started. I mean, this the schedule didn't look like um, you know, a murderer's row to begin with. So it wasn't it wasn't too hard, you know, if you were automatically going to count all all of the non-conference games, right? If you had those three to start, and then if you were believing all of the hype about Iowa State being one of the worst teams in the Big mm-hmm. 12, I think most of us had Oklahoma State starting off 4-0 and and then, you know, finding three or four others uh, or more was, mm-hmm. was no tax. As it turns out, you know, you get destroyed by South Alabama. You lose a, a tight one at Iowa State, uh, you know, and it, again, it looked like uh, the season was just going to implode. And, and now they've turned it around. And again, some of those games in the back half of the season look, look winnable. Um, I'm not so sure outside of, of Bedlam that, that this next one isn't maybe the, the toughest one. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this – and let's touch on that, right? Saturday's a big game. I mean, I know they're all big, and we will say it every week, and we have said it every week. But Saturday's a, b- a big game. I think, especially, you need to capitalize on the you know to win momentum. Um, I think it's critical for the locker room. I think it's critical for the coaching staff. Critical for the fans, especially with homecoming coming the the week after. You want to you want to s- sell it out and actually fill the seats, right? Um, and I think. I won't, I won't sit here and pretend I know a lot about West Virginia, um, but I know we're going to have to get off the bus and, and come play um, and see what see if we can pull out a dub. Well, they've got a court. I, I hadn't watched them until I did get the chance to watch their crazy game against Houston on Thursday night, and uh, their quarterback, uh, I can't remember the young man's first name. His last name is Green. And, you know, he threw for, I, I think, a career-high 331 yards against Houston. But the, the real concern about him is his feet. The kid can really, really run, and he'll pull it down and run it at any time. And I think that's going to be a, a huge challenge um, for, for our defensive team, you know, is dealing with somebody who's, who's both really a really good runner and a, and a really good thrower. And I also think we got a chance, Shelb, to have a little weather. Uh, you know, the forecast is mm. for it to be pretty cool and rainy and you know, I, I don't know why. I just, I, don't, I guess, I don't feel like the rain is a big benefit to us. But um, again, no, I don't think we need any outer circumstances. Science, all, but <laughs> we don't need um, any you know, more variables I, coming into play. I guess I, I should say Ollie Gordon played awful well in the rain against West Virginia last year, although it was in a loss. That's true, um, and that's another thing though that I wanted to touch on just really quick about West Virginia is they are coming off of a crazy loss. Um, I don't know if everybody listening um, saw that game, but it was it was pretty nuts. Um, and so I think they're going to come, they're going to come hungry and ready to play, um, and they'll be excited to come, come try to take us down. So I really hope we get off the bus um, and are ready. Yeah, they found a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and so they'll either they'll either bounce back and be you know extra right. hungry, or uh, you know maybe maybe you have a chance to catch them in a little bit of an emotional uh, down because because of the way that game ended. Who knows? I, I hope it's certainly hope it's the latter. Yeah, and hopefully if you if you do catch them like that, that's when you just go ahead and hit the gas, right? I hope that's 
I hope that's our mindset is to jump out early and stay on them and just go ahead and put them to bed quick. And you and I can have a relaxing Saturday, right? Yeah. Morgantown's uh, been a place that's, that's been pretty good to the Cowboys. They've, they've won, I think the last four uh, games there and, and coach Gundy's got a good, good record against them. I have to mention very quickly too, speaking of coach Gunny's records, we've now after the KU game won nine of our last 10 as a home underdog. And, uh, and coach Gundy has a win over a top 25 team in each of the 19 years that he's been here. Pretty good stat to have. Won't lie. Um, well, the pokes are going to take on West Virginia at two 30 in Morgantown. Um, if you can make the trip, make the trip. You might want to pack a jacket or two. Might be a little chilly. Um, we'll be watching from – well, I'll be watching from Stillwater. Dad will be watching from Chicago. He's going to go up there and see some law school buddies. Um, but, yeah, 2.30 kickoff. Hopefully we can make the pokes 5-2. and two. You got anything else, Pops? No, let's just keep this train rolling. All right. That was Orange Power Half Hour. We'll see you next week. Go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes.